Welcome, everyone. This is Matt Cooley, host of the podcast Upside Downside, where we explore the value creation angles of current news stories and how the actions we take as business professionals affect profits and cash flow. Welcome to our distinguished panelists, Dana Price and Sami Akbe. Dana is CFO at Area 9 Lyceum Group and never lets her burn rate get out of control. She also breaks technology like last week when she allegedly threw her Roku device against the wall during the Jets game. Welcome, Dana. It's great to be here. Sami Akbe is a technology executive and founder and, and is one of those people who knows how to shove data into the black box and make something useful come out the other side. Welcome, Sami. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you both here. Today, we're talking about autonomous restaurants and those buy now, pay later offers that are starting to pop up everywhere. But let's start with autonomous restaurants. <clears throat> Mediterranean Bowl restaurant Mesley, <clears throat> excuse me, launched two locations in San Francisco and San Mateo, California, serving fresh meals starting at $6.99. There's some kind of central kitchen in the background with actual humans, but the restaurants themselves are fully robotic and don't have to be manned. And the robots take your order on one side, deliver your food on the other. Mesley is joining several other companies like Potsy Robotics, Miso Robotics, SJW Robotics. Quite honestly, there are a lot of companies in this space right now, and they're all working to automate the quick serve segment. If you're a White Castle fan, a robot named Chippy might be responsible for making your French fries. This is true. And yet another company called Stellar Pizza was founded by former SpaceX employees and according to their homepage, launches this fall in Los Angeles, like right about now. What's going on in this space, guys? And what are the value creation upsides and downsides? And, and panel, I promise to buy you lunch at one of these places when the opportunity arises. Dana, why don't why don't we start with you? Like, what upsides do you see, and and you know, could this be an important pivot point even for value creation in the food service industry? Sure. So I, I think you know, kind of piggybacking also on my my prior podcast and my feelings about talking to humans <laughs> in in supermarkets. Um, no, I mean, listen. The the obvious one is giving the huge staffing shortages in just about you know every restaurant there is. You know, having electronic help, um, I think can only help, you know, creating a better experience in some way, shape or form, you know, better might be subject to definition by individuals. But I I think it can definitely um, <clears throat> help the shortage we have right now. I think, you know, the other thing, you know, for folks who travel up and down 95, that's that's the a highway here on the East Coast. Um, zones that corridor, if you go into McDonald's, you have to order on the board. Be, you know, before you talk to a human anyway. Right. So you're sort of in some places halfway there. And while I have given up belly bombers at uh, White Castle due to my age, <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, it, listen, if it, if it helps me get my burger or salad or whatever faster, because it's fully staffed and the quality doesn't suffer, then, then I, I think it's a positive. Okay, that's interesting, Sami. What uh, what's in your mind about this? What kind of upsides do well, you see? I think um, when you go to a restaurant, one of your top expectancies is consistency, and robotics will ensure that consistency as well, because you can go to two different Burger Kings in our area, and that's uh, one of my kind of guilty pleasures. 
I'll go to your Burger King probably like you know, twice a month. And if I go to the Burger King on 206, the food I get is not exactly the same as the Burger King on Quaker Bridge Road. So it's consistency that becomes a uh, benefit of this in addition to uh, cutting out. I mean, right now with the minimum wages rising and employees being so sparsely available, I think it's going to uh, just make fast food more consistent, more uh, available and cheaper. Yeah. But, I, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, only for fast food, this applies. Yeah, I <clears throat> similar similar thoughts on that as well. You, you know, yes, the frontline labor shortages, quality of service, consistency, et cetera, absolutely. Um, those aspects should drive more consistent cash flow and predictability, right? Which is good in, in the quick serve space. Um, you know, what strikes me though, is at the end of the day, these are still restaurants and they're still going to have to keep us interested over time and, um, you know, compete for our stomachs and wallets. So getting, getting a little bit into downsides, Dana, if we go back to you, what, what kind of downsides do you see to this? Are there uh, any? I, I, th I think there could be I, urban dictionary, right? So if, if I go in and I, you know, is it aluminum or aluminum? You know, and if I ask for a soda or I say, give me a pop, like if I if I ask for a pop, is someone going to punch me in the face? Like just the, the urban dictionary and the way people use words and the mm. accent on how they pronounce the word, is that all obviously loaded into uh, Chippy or whoever the the respective in, individual computer might be? Mm -hmm. um, so, and I also think, you know, is it only fast food or does it start to creep into semi-fast food, you know, fast dining, I, you know, I, I mean, there's a... There's like a TGI a, Fridays or something, yeah, right? Yeah, because that might actually get into a whole nother experience discussion. And then the only thing I, I also think about is what if you're disabled? Um, how does that affect your experience, your ability to order, um, how you order, um, you know, whether you, like, if you have a speech impediment or if you're blind, like, how do you handle the technology of that? Mm. Yeah, those are those are very important questions, and those could definitely have an impact on on cash flow. Sami, what what's in your mind about downsides? Well, I don't think that like you know, if you're going to a uh, fast food restaurant, this is fine. But if I go to a fancy restaurant and some machine is making my food, I'm not really sure if. I'm as excited about it because when you go to a fancy restaurant or a kind uh, of normal restaurant, let's call it, uh, your expectation is that you're paying for an experience rather than the ingredients. And if a machine is making my food and I'm paying like, you know, $30 a plate for $7 of ingredients, that's, that's not exactly my expectation. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, I think uh, a lot of younger people are currently kind of hooked to this gig economy, and that's one of the reasons that there is a shortage of employees. But how long or how much longer, I guess, uh, is this going to last, especially with autonomous vehicles, 
and other automation technologies coming in. I mean, today, one of the reasons that you can't find labor for some of these institutions or some of these uh, you know, restaurants is because, hey, I'd rather drive an Uber or I'd rather uh, you know, work for Grubhub and deliver food or whatever, like, you know, act like a taxi. Uh, those jobs are going to get automated out as well. I mean, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years later, when autonomous vehicles and autonomous uh, delivery drones are the norm, I think this is going to have uh, deeper repercussions. Yeah, and, and that's a fair point because a whole other part of this autonomous restaurant industry is the delivery of, of the food. <clears throat> and so that just continues, um, you know, for the reasons you just mentioned to get more and more automated. Um, you know, <clears throat> it, I, it, the, the obvious points that we've raised here, I think, are very important for investors. Is labor substitution a sustainable enough di differentiation strategy over the long term is kind of what I'm thinking. I have, I have a lot of questions. Um, I think it's heading in a very interesting direction, but um, competing in, in quick serve space, I'll call it, there's so many important variables beyond just the labor. Labor's obviously one of the biggest. Um, you're still going to be in the restaurant business. You know, other one more reflection on that is these Mesli bowls. Um, they sound interesting, but $6.99, it's a cheap lunch, right? That's a different... Um, that's a different target market than the experience that, that you raised, Sami. So good good points. Good points on that. Hey, one last thing, though. Sure. Yesterday, I had to buy a pair of shoes because I didn't have one with me uh, going into a store. And, You're not um, going to tell us Chippy the robot uh, deep fried your shoes by accident, are you? No, no. Nobody deep fried my shoes. But the store had uh, three employees working and there were six customers in there. And after I tried two pairs, I was told that I was allowed to try only one more pair because they had a limitation on how many pairs you could try. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, at that point, I was just thinking, okay, you know what? A robot should replace you because I don't feel like and and she had the audacity to ask for uh, you know can you provide positive feedback after you make your purchase so that you know. <laughs> oh brother nail in the coffin of that place wow right okay that's the first I've heard of that I mean Dana have you heard of that no I would have gotten up and left immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I would have I would have gotten up and left immediately, except I was not in walking distance of any other shoe stores and my shoes were super uncomfortable. So <laughs> wow. Okay. Well maybe we'll have to uh make that a future topic. So <clears throat> let, let's move on. Another hot topic in the news lately is the traction of this buy now pay later option that's popping up everywhere. Those little buttons, um, you, you see them all the time now, and the industry has experienced explosive growth. Companies like Klarna, Afterpay, Affirm, there, there are lots of them, quite honestly, give mer merchants another tool to close sales. According to Bankrate, buy now, pay later transaction value will top $75 billion this year, which is 77% higher than last year. So it's growing quickly. I've personally not used it. 
But apparently the most common offer from these companies is to break up your purchase price into four interest-free payments over six weeks. So you know exactly what you need to pay and when versus a credit card where your monthly payment doesn't have to directly uh, correlate with your purchases. The industry isn't really regulated today, although the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is headed in that direction. And interestingly, this I thought was interesting. These purchases don't apparently feed into your credit scores, (laughs) which is interesting. So there's a lot going on here. Um, Sami, why don't you take this one first? What do you see as upsides, value creation upsides to this buy now, pay later phenomena? I mean, this trying to bypass credit scores in providing credit has been pretty attractive for uh, you know a number of players, and I, obviously it's like you know good for being able to sell to people with uh, you know sub uh, credit rating, and you know there's like also credit cards or uh, debit cards available for people who don't want to go through a credit check. And I think like, you know, it just removes one other friction in, uh, you know, selling. So in that sense, it's good. Also, the other part is there are people who are new to the country, like new immigrants and uh, people who don't have uh, a credit score quite yet because they have not been around for long enough. It's also uh, a vehicle for them, even when they're able and willing to buy and pay, they may not transact. It's also good for those people as well. Um, and it's been done like, you know, I think in a lot of other countries for quite some time. Uh, one of the reasons that in the past we did not want to do that was the cost of uh, doing like these layaway plans or cost of each mm. of those transactions. So. There are a lot of efficiencies in these companies being able to uh, do this. It brings a completely new group of people, demographic of people, into uh, the addressable market, as well as uh, providing a nice vehicle uh, that is not heavily regulated and almost archaic. I mean, the FICO scores and everything is, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it just needs a complete revamp. I think because it just takes into control uh, or consideration factors that may or may not be as relevant as they were when those measures were put in place, like you know, fifteen, twenty, thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. So, so the market's changing. Give the market what what it wants. That's the value creation opportunity. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank okay. you for thank you for articulating what I was like you know thinking. No, your, yours was much more interesting. I just summed it up. Dana, what uh, what do you think? I definitely uh, agree with Sami. I think also as, you know, whether we're going in or are in a recession, depending upon your personal opinion upon that, you know, you, you have to make a choice, right? Do I fill the tank with gas or, you know, do I buy groceries? And that's, you know, half my paycheck right there. It allows people a little bit of flexibility where they don't have to front the cash right now. So they can continue to just do the, you know, pay the important things like mortgage and rent and, you know, groceries, food, gas to get around, just the fundamentals. Um, worry about those shoes you were trying on, Sami, later on down the line. Yeah. 
Yeah. That, so I, I agree with both of you. There's this is uh, meeting a market need that has evolved, and yes, it has been around in various forms, uh, particularly in other countries. But it's interesting to see it take hold here. And I was just reading something this morning that one of the reasons uh, millennials and younger folks like this is that predictability. It doesn't get lumped in with your credit card bill, and you have to decide, you know, how much you're going to pay this month. Um, it's four installments equal you know exactly when they're due, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's interesting. So if the market can be served that way, then there's money to be made here. What what about the downsides of buy now, pay later? Because there's a lot of coverage right now that, you know, here we go again, people are starting to get into trouble. Um, And I can't tell yet whether that's normal, you know, bad credit management trouble or um, what's going on here. But but what are the downsides? Dana, Dana, do you want to take that first? Sure. I, I think your point on the credit reporting, you know, does it eventually hit your credit report? Don't know. Um, can they even, you know, manage it in order to have it hit your credit report? The other thing that sort of, you know, looms in the back of my mind since I am a geeked out CFO is, you know, there's there's nothing that is interest free, right? It's implied interest. So, right. You know what? What does the cost actually become? Is it truly fixed? Are there any hidden costs? Is this something where you have to read the fine print because suddenly it's you know it's like the subscriptions. You're like, wait, I'm paying how much? Um, and what if you don't have the cash at that time? That that's a good point because in some of the articles that I I've read about this, they do market it as interest free, but of course they're not doing this for free. So th- there's a lot going on here. Yeah. No free lunch. That's what my no no my free fin- lunch. My finance. If I didn't remember my finance professor from business school, I you know. Right. <laughs> kudos, Although right? that six ninety nine uh, Mediterranean yeah, bowl from Mesley is getting pretty close to free, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, Sami. What uh, what are the downsides of this? Look, I mean, if this were a seven billion dollar industry, it's different from seventy seven billion dollar industry. As the numbers get bigger, it becomes a true credit product, right? And just like any other credit product, if you're not, you know, measuring risk and calculating it into the pricing and availability, then you're going to have that amount of exposure. This is this is just yet another scheme <laughs> by companies trying to bypass, you know, what has been in place. Uh, for a reason, the reason that like, you know, uh, you have credit cards and credit scores and all of that is because you want to be able to control and measure and, uh, you know, account for that risk. So uh, I've seen in other countries where this was a pretty normal practice. First, the credit card companies adding buy not pay later type of a feature that was left out of the credit scoring. Then vendors or retailers themselves putting it on and saying, okay, we're just going to like, you know, bill you on a monthly basis. So this item is, let's say $120, but we're going to charge you $10 a month for the next 12 months. And eventually people's ability to service that debt uh, may actually lapse because that ten dollars a month for a hundred and twenty dollar item, uh, when you buy 
too many things will hit a threshold. So uh, in almost all of those cases, the government had to jump in and regulate it. Because as much as we hate regulations, I mean, or at least I hate regulations, uh, the regulations are there for a purpose or for a reason. So um, that's, the, that's, I think, the downside. I mean, it's going to blow up. And of course, what Dana mentioned earlier, uh, there is no free lunch. Interest rates at 2% is one thing. Interest rates at like 5 6% is a different thing. Uh, that cost of that money is going to catch up and remove a lot of the advantages or most of these business plans, I think, were put together when interest money was practically uh, free to borrow. So um, <laughs> That's a it's fair no point. longer that. Yeah. So if you're an investor or an employee or a manager at one of these one of these buy now pay later companies, it's going to be a rocky ride. Um, so yeah, that's something to take into consideration as well. Both really fascinating points there. Excellent. So Dana and Sami. Will you be doing any online shopping today or perhaps heading over to White Castle for some of Chippy the Robot's French fries? <laughs> no, I, I, hear, I hear that I hear that there is someone cooking in Cranberry, New Jersey. Uh, you know, and I'm going to go there for dinner. Uh, there you go. We'll see. We'll let us know how the robots uh, look at that that location. All right. Well, thank you both for sharing your insights today. That was a lot of fun. And to our listeners, keep pushing those value creation buttons and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Bye.